What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Thoughts Out Loud. I know you thought we went somewhere, but we didn't, because we as didn't. usual, we allow life to life, and we were lifing with it. <laughs> and so we are back. We're What'd back. We're back. And I know you guys probably can see that there's a change in scenery. Krita's over there. I'm over here. Krita, you want to yes. explain what happened? Absolutely. So we decided because we are um, natural homebodies and in instances of uh, inclement weather, a.k.a. Canadian Christmases and holidays and winter seasons, we decided we were going to uh, take our sessions online for the seasonal management because we don't like to drive in the snow and we still want to obviously give you guys content so we figured we found another option that is temporary and it's virtual and if i mean if we like it we'll see what goes on um but we are definitely doing this for the hmm? they should probably and if they like it too if, if you guys are cool with the setup and how it's both of us on separate screens and it doesn't bother you too much that we're not all close nuzzled together <laughs> yeah on the on the chair yeah yeah so that's basically what we're doing with this setup. And this we decided since it's been a minute since we did the last episode, we're gonna just kind of just kind of catch you guys up on what life was life and like and how we were handling those lifing moments. Yeah. So no, it's been it's been crazy. I don't know how you've been feeling. Like I've just been going through the motions. Like life is changing. There's so many ups and downs. I definitely been feeling triggered in a lot of things, a lot of areas. Yeah, I've been reading my horoscope because I'm just like, I need guidance from somewhere. Someone help me because I've been feeling so lethargic yeah. and unmotivated. And, um, you know, I felt a, a big need to evolve my boundary setting with people in my life. And so I was just mm -hmm. shutting down. So, yeah, definitely feeling the feels. Yeah, and definitely a lot of advocating for yourselves. Well, yeah. for myself and for yourself. Because yeah. as we're getting older, I'm finding that, like, not speaking up and not saying anything is really causing further issues in life. We're so, enabling the problems. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to keep enabling the problems. I want to keep growing. I want to surround myself with people that are growing. Mm -hmm. And so I've been having really intense conversations with people uh, in my life whose relationships I really value and that I want to clear the air and just kind of move forward in a healthy manner. So I figured, because I had a conversation with my sister yesterday, that we can kind of go on to the topic of what she and I were discussing. Uh, you know, Yeah, let's do it. So um, we both grew up in the same household. Um, our parents were not together, but we were in the same household with our mom. And we were just talking about the differences in our experience. And I thought it was crazy how her experience was a complete opposite of mine. And we were in the same house. And we were talking about trauma and healing and therapy. And there's one specific question that she asked me that really is still stuck with me right now. She asked me, like, when was the exact moment where you were like, I need to go to therapy? Because mm. she was just like, where, like what happened in mm -hmm. your life? What is it that triggered that, that you getting up and just deciding, okay, I'm going to go to therapy? And so I gave her my whole spiel, which it wasn't a one moment thing, mm. which most people say it was not a one moment thing. It was like a repetitive cycle of continuing down a path where I was like, I'm making the same decisions. I'm attracting the same type of person. I'm in the same cycle over and over again. And I just thought, I just need to talk to somebody that can help me. And I wanted to ask you, 
how did you begin the process of identifying your childhood traumas and what role did self-awareness play with your decision in going to therapy? Because I know that's something that you and I have both discussed. Yeah. Um, I think like I, I, I've always been an introspective person. I've always sort of kind of thought about why things happen the way they happen or why things trigger me before trigger was a word, bug me, bother me, irritate me. Um, and it was really, it, what I realized was, is that there were certain things that would pop up in my life. And I knew that there were a sore spot for me growing up that would sort of make me feel like, Ooh, that's a thing. And it didn't, honestly, it only popped up in my most valuable relationships, like my closest friend relationships or in my relationship with Ori. That's when I started to notice certain things kind of popping up. And so I started to be more introspective and sort of having these conversations with myself uh, and kind of mm -hmm. coming to terms with the things that were my triggers. And I could, yeah. before I could identify one or two. Now I can truly identify many more. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like self-awareness kind of plays into that was, is, is, is because I needed to not only take a second in those moments of, okay, I'm clearly upset by something and I'm mm -hmm. putting it out into, onto this person. What is that about? I, I, I had to start to learn to, I, I refer to it as checking myself. Like when oh, Ori and oh. I would get into an argument, I'd be like, I need to check myself for a moment. And then I would sit down with myself and be like, what is it that's actually coming up here? What is your issue? And so I would kind of be quiet for five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, hey, I'm realizing that this and this and this is maybe what might be my issue. And mm -hmm. in our relationship, we kind of, we were pretty good about that, but we weren't mm -hmm. good about facing it, dealing with it, confronting it. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. Like I could identify it and then I could be like, oh, well, I'm aware of that. That's great. But the managing it was kind of where we needed, where I know I need, we needed help. So he, and you know, with the experience I had last year living where I was living, um, we realized that our triggers were becoming almost like, it was almost like an everyday thing. It was constantly showing up and we were constantly being triggered because we were in such a high energy, high, highly toxic space. So yeah. that was when he was like, we need to do couples therapy. And I was like, yeah, we do. And I actually need to do my own individual therapy because I was seeing a side of Karita that I hadn't seen in years. Like the yeah, aggressive. Yeah. The one that I had worked so hard to put away, the one who wanted to fight people because she felt so put in a corner, so cornered and, and attacked. And so that, hard. yeah, that's kind of when we decided, when I decided, well, we decided to do couples therapy and then I decided to jump into individual therapy. So I have another question regarding mm -hmm. that, because this is something my sister said, um, just like with black families, how like therapy is just like not a thing. What do you mean you're going to therapy? That's for white people. I hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your journey and how you started therapy, were there people in your life that was that were telling you, like whether it's your mom or just family members telling you that like therapy is a waste of time or it's not for for white people? Like Honestly, did anybody help you or thankfully the people who are still in my life um are not of that mindset. Now it it's harder for me to, it, it, it's not, they haven't taken the steps, but they were like, good for you. That's awesome. Um, but, but it was more like do what's best for you. 
Yeah. But I have other family members who I ironically, I don't talk to anymore who were very much of that mindset. Oh, we don't need that. Just drink some ginger tea. (laughs) (laughs) The most ridiculous. You'll be fine. Go do something active. Get your mind out of the gutter. Like, oh, go outside. Go outside and touch some grass. Go outside. You'll feel better. And it's like, what? No, that does not make me feel better. And And it doesn't need to be because I was in a relationship with a guy once and and I told him I thought he should go to therapy but I didn't say it in a way of attacking him I, it was because I was also going to therapy and I was like you know I'm noticing this pattern with you and I was like you know maybe you should go and talk to somebody and see you know where all of this is coming from because there's only so much that I can meet you where you are at this point because I'm trying to not go back to that place and I remember he got so mad like obviously we ended things but he didn't talk to me for years because he felt like it was like I was calling him crazy or I was attacking him as a person. Did you find with Ori or with anyone else, they felt that you telling them to start therapy was an insult? Kind of. Yeah. Um, my sister, uh, she kind of was like, I know I need it. I don't want to talk about it. It's not like it was, it's like she had, convinced herself that it was the situation wasn't as bad as it was um we're making it mm -hmm. and or i was being dramatic not everybody needs therapy yeah pretty much everybody needs therapy um and in my relationship it it was like we needed couples therapy but he admitted later that he felt like i was the one who truly needed therapy Uh, obviously that's 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 yeah that's been identified Uh, you know he kind of felt like i had a lot of issues that i needed to sort of get over to recognize that he is an amazing partner and that i should show more gratitude and blah 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 we've had that conversation so it isn't something that is triggering for me to say or for him to hear but it was in the past because i i felt like you're suggesting that you're great and i'm the problem yeah and you're the whole problem like the whole the, problem yes like why we're having conflict is because you have to go deal with what you need to deal with not us right and that yeah. was a bit of a piss off because it was like honestly there's no way in any relationship one partner is a saint and so right. it was kind of like he was a bit he was like yeah i know i gotta do it but with my own therapy and our couples therapy through conversations because i think ori and i are very big on um now thankfully communication and just sitting down and having deep conversations about the things that we feel and you know asking each other questions sort of get each other's perspective and so you know there was a time where he was like he said he kind of we were sitting down talking about the family stuff and his family stuff versus my experience with my family and how our you know what happened last year happened and where he is today and he was ultimately he kind of came to the realization he's like yeah no i definitely am not I'm not void of issues. I'm not, you know, I, there's therapy needed, but yeah, you could, I could say that there are a couple of people in my, my life, my mom, she hears me one in one ear out the other. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of that generation. Like your mother's generation is a little bit more less likely to be open to telling your business. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I'm just too old. I can't fix. I, there's nothing I can fix at this point. Or I've, <laughs> right. Or I've dealt with it in my own way. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and here's the thing. Like you can. I don't believe that everybody needs to go to therapy to deal with their stuff. I believe that some people can, um, sit down and and go through, 
you know, whatever it is that they need to heal, mm-hmm. but they have to be self-aware. There's no point in you trying to work through things when you're not aware right. of your behaviors and how that contributes to the environment that you create or the relationships that you have. If you, if you can't sit back and be like, Hmm, I probably could have handled that better. Do you know what I'm saying? If you don't have that approach, it it can, it can be really tough. I think therapy can't help people that are not self-aware because they'll just throw everyone else under the bus, you know? And I have read some things that people can, you know, manipulate their therapists. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you're when you go into therapy to try to create a victim storyline for yourself, especially if you already sort of live that, then yeah, I think therapy is not for. I think therapy and what I learned through trying to force it on the people in my lives is that all I can do is advocate for it mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They have to be in a place where they want to confront their own demons and fight mm-hmm. for change because. You know, I, I've I think we all kind of come to a point where in our lives we're going through th- things, and then yeah. there, there comes a moment where we go, I cannot keep doing this same thing yeah. and expecting oh, he, different results. Enough's enough. Yeah, like play anymore. Yeah, deal anymore. We yeah, come to the end of the rope and we're like, okay, I definitely need something. I need to do something different, but I don't know how. So now mm-hmm. I really need to. I need to kind of tap somebody in and be like, I need your. I need someone else's help because I can't do it. But everybody's got to get there on their own timeline. And they, have, yeah, and and on top of getting there when they're ready, there's some people who have said to me, oh, like you know, a life coach has helped them. Listen, whoever helps you helps you. Okay. Mm-hmm. The way that I looked at it initially at the beginning was, if I'm sick, I go to a doctor. If I need to get my teeth done, I go to a dentist. If I need to get my hair done, I go to a hairstylist. So I need to, I felt in that moment, in order for me to fix this situation, I need to go to someone who has the tools to fix it. Otherwise, I'm just in this pattern where I'm, you know, using my friends as therapists and and they're giving me their opinions based off of their perceptions and their perceptions are limited because our lives are not the same, right? But there's someone who went to school, who trained to deal with people with all different sorts of issues. And so I'm like, that's who I need to talk to. Yeah. And I think we all kind of go through that period of time where we're like, I know something's wrong. And so you reach out to your friends or you, you're constantly talking about the issue with your friends and your family and they're going, yeah, you know, I would do, or I would. And then, and you realize in that moment, God bless your yeah. friends and family, but they're really only equipped to, like you said, offer their opinions or advice based on their experience or what they think would be ideal in a situation if they were facing it. But we have to account for our traumas, our triggers, our past, and give that to somebody and say, okay, based on your information, here's how Mm -hmm. you should handle it. And I think that we kind of, we all kind of go through that stage where we're like, yeah, I'm just going to talk to my friends about it because they're a really good listener. I've got that one friend, she's great at advice. I'll call her and she might be great at advice, but she's still only limited in what she's, you're not, is going to be limited and the one thing that i really appreciate about therapy was their ability to take me outside of the situation and Mm. look at not just what i'm doing Mm -hmm. but what those people are doing and how i'm contributing to the Mm. drama is right versus if i talk to my friends about it they're only really listening to my side because I'm not talking about the other person's side or, or how that other person be like, I'm very much in, I'm the victim. This happened to me. And their focus is you're my friend. I care yeah. about you. You're the one who I want to protect. Right. So 
it doesn't really help you break down the issue. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Most people cannot look at a situation and go, okay, realistically, I did A, B, and C. And so I think the, re the person responded with DEF. Like we're coming from, again, like you said, a victim standpoint. I did this and they responded, you know, with this in, in, in egregious response and it was outlandish and we kind of blow up the res person's response and not not yeah. so many people can kind of take for take account yeah i kind of i probably maybe triggered them now yeah. I, after therapy and <laughs> after a lot of thinking i could do that it's not now easy yeah yeah now i can do that too now i'm like okay yeah thinking about the situation that just happened i'm like okay i said this and then they said this and then mm -hmm. i said this and then they shifted mm -hmm. their energy. Shifted. So something that I said. Somewhere in that line. Yep. In that line, I caused this person to either feel defensive or feel attacked. And then I thought about how I said it. Then I start thinking about my own behavior. Okay. How did I, like, it's not what I said. It's how I said it. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now I know what I said. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, I have to apologize because I started this process where I was trying to fix something, but what I said was said the wrong way. And it's, I think that like therapy helped me think that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they, they, they're treating me this way, you know? Yeah. And to blame them or say like, why didn't they just tell me I upset them? Okay. Not everybody's capable of doing that. Not everybody is capable of highlighting why they got upset, right? That person might not even know mm -hmm. what it was that I said that made them feel that way, but they just felt that way, right? And yeah. so immediately they were looking at me in a different light. So I just, yeah, I just find that therapy is really useful when it comes to that. And that's what I said to my sister because she's been just saying like, you know, why did you do it? And I'm just like, mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where when you've had enough, you've had enough. And I said, I, I'm not telling you to go to therapy. I'm telling you that when you're ready to go to therapy, you're going to know. It's mm. just that time where you're like, I'm done with this. And the only other options you have are figuring out what the, what the problem is. Right. So I said, you might not be there yet. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you don't care about healing. It's just like, I told her, like when it, when the time comes, when you have no choice or when you've just had enough, you're going to do it. I wonder if that's a more effective approach than like me, you know, when I've been trying to like, yeah, you got to get to therapy. You got to get to therapy. I wonder if I had kind of just said, you know, um, you've, you've identified that you'd like to do it, but really, you know, mm -hmm. and you'll know when you're ready. And in that moment, there's nothing I can say that will stop you. And there's nothing I can say now that that's going to encourage you to start. I wonder if that's a more effective approach to sort of when people are kind of dabbling in the therapy conversation rather than be like yeah. yes you should do it because then everybody everybody's just like okay wow relax it might not work for me the way it worked for you you know what that feels like I, and i'm just thinking out loud mm. it's like when someone changes religions mm. or they're a vegan or there's something that they're just really passionate about that they're really proud of that they did for themselves and they're like, okay, now that I've done this, everybody True. else has to do this. And if they don't do this, they don't get to stay in my life. True. They're the problem. They're this, they're that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like therapy, it's it's so many people when they talk about it, other people think of it as you're forcing me mm -hmm. to do what you did just because it worked for you. And that approach will never work. Yeah. You know? 
Jehovah's Witnesses coming to my door giving me a pamphlet. That's not going to get me in your church or telling me about my sins. It's not going to get me to come to your church. Like what's going to get me to come to church is me feeling like I need to go to church. Honestly. And and it's funny because us saying this now, I think to myself, oh my God, this is exactly why it's taken everybody who I've been trying to push it down their throats. It's taken them their own timeline because it's literally the like if somebody says to me, uh, the minute I went vegan, my skin cleared up and I'm just going, and I immediately start to come to a defensive response. Well, I like my ice cream. I'm not cutting out my ice cream. Well, you know, that costs a lot of money. So it's a, it's the exact same thing for me trying to encourage people to go to therapy. It's yeah, well, because they're not mentally ready. They're not emotionally ready. And I now, now I, in this conversation, I've recognized now I can never say that to people. Yeah, never can I say that again. I think I might, I'll either say, I'll, I'll listen and go, yeah, when you're ready, you'll know and leave it at that. And if they ask me the question, you know, how did you know? I'll say, I'll share my story and leave it at that. No you more. That. that's all you could do is yeah. share your experience but yeah. your experience is your experience like yeah yeah i think that's really what it comes down to because like i'm vegan uh i could really care about animals and i'm still gonna eat a steak <laughs> you know and i'm not trying to be mean and i understand what they're passionate about and i'm always like good for you but when mm. i meet that woman who's like i can't even be friends with people that are not vegans then i'm like I guess we're not going to be friends. And I think that's the same approach that people are going to take with you. If you force things down their throat, just because it worked for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. I got another question. Shoot. What therapeutic approaches or coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms have you found effective in your healing journey or witness being beneficial for others or you? So. I guess I'm going to take a page kind of straight from my therapist book or my therapy sessions is my therapist asked me, what did you used to do that would help you regulate if you were feeling flooded with emotions? What would you do when you're feeling angry? If you were angry in a moment and you knew you needed to step away, what were your go-to things? My go-to things for me, especially when I was a kid was music. Um, I would always go to my room and I'd, my, I had this little blue and gray boom box and I'd mm-hmm. either put in my headphones and listen to my music and sing my heart out and listen to the music with all the emotions in the feels to kind of yeah. deal with it that way. Or I would l- play music loud to sort of say something to my mom without saying something to my mom or to say something out loud without saying it directly. And so yeah. my therapist always says, you know, in those moments, I need you to kind of tap back into that. But recognize now that it's not you're not using it to run from managing your emotions and managing how you feel what you're doing is giving yourself a second to a acknowledge what you feel b give yourself a moment to just be in it because you can't run from it you can't rush through it and then see how you think with my feelings because because we're so used because it's almost like we have to fight ourselves from going into our natural response which is to spiral further and then get angrier and get angrier because when she's like acknowledge those emotions i'm like if i acknowledge those emotions i'm gonna get angrier and angrier right or i'm punching a wall a hole through a wall but she was like no she's like i need you to acknowledge it i need you to sit with it and then i need you to tap into your coping mechanism to make sure that you're kind of bringing yourself back down and so for me it's just like how you see these headphones, I would come into like, in, let's say now in my relationship, if I felt flooded with emotions, I would come in here, put on my headphones, play 
a specific album or whatever. And then I would do something creative on my computer. That was me feeling what I was feeling. Yeah. And then allowing my kid or now to music is still your coping mech your coping mechanism i can't say that word i don't know why what when i was a kid it was my coping mechanism and now i've i've identified it as a form of calming and peace oh. so it, it's a bit of both because it's shifted. It's, it's shifted for you yeah it's always been a part of me managing myself but before it was I'm flooded with emotions and this music is going to help me kind of deal with that. Whereas now, if I, if I know, if I wake up in the morning and I've got a meeting and I'm stressed about the meeting, I play my music and it calms me down. If I know I'm angry and I've got to clean the whole house, I play my music and that calms me down. So I, I still use music, but in a different sort of, it's, I think it's still coping, but it's, I think my response to it is different because I've identified that is my, it's, it's like my magic switch. Just put on Put on the right song or the right album, and then you're good to go. So, okay. Oh, sorry. Mm. Um, in terms of, I don't know. I think of coping mechanisms, like my coping mechanism. It's not really helpful to oh. me. I don't think it is because, like you said, music helps you calm down. So music will help me calm down. But how I cope with things is by staying busy. Mm. So. Oh, we're not talking about not healthy versions. Oh, I thought we were talking about the, po- the healthy coping. Oh, I can, okay. Well, after I'll let you finish, but I'll talk about my not so healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it shifts, right? Because yeah. like how you cope is different when you're a child versus how you cope now. Mm-hmm. So I would think about music as like a healing thing, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was referring to, coping mechanisms there's like therapeutic approaches or there's uh other ways to help you like distract yourself from what you're dealing with so prior to me going to therapy my coping mechanism was just always staying busy so Mm -hmm. i'm on the run on the go on the go on the go no time to really sit and process my shit so even if i was dealing with medical problems or just any of the stuff that i've dealt with in my life if I kept busy enough, I didn't really have to sit with it or think about it, right? Versus now, since I've gone to therapy, I don't use those things as coping. So if I even feel myself getting that itch to like run or go do something crazy, I'm just like, no, 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 sit with it. Mm-hmm. Sit with it, address why you're feeling this way. How do you stop feeling this way? What's making you feel this way? So yeah, so there's I, I I guess there's positive cope. I don't know if there is there positive coping. Maybe? Yeah, well, she says like my therapist said she's like it's never bad to cope, but you have to not let the coping mechanism be the only thing that you're doing. Like she said, coping your coping mechanism should be short lived. So you're coping to get through this moment of stress, anger, whatever, and then you're really facing the issue. You're facing the problem. You're facing the emotions, and then you're moving through it. I think for me, some of the not so positive coping ways was uh lists i was a i was a uh oh you're one of those well i'm a virgo by nature but yeah so i would i would get my notebook i'd be like all right i got things to do i'm gonna redo my room i'm gonna plan so it's the same thing with you like mine wasn't necessarily thing you just wrote yours down yes 
And I, I literally have notebooks upon notebooks from my childhood. And even till still till today, I'll go to this. I, I, I'm, I'm a stationary person, so I can rationalize. I have notebooks, so I'm going to fill it with lists because there's things to constantly do. And so when I'm stressed, I would make a, a, I have an example right in front of me of a, a checklist I created to manage stress. So yeah, definitely. Well, when you do the list, mm-hmm. okay, so I have to actually do something like just writing it down is not enough. For you, do you, mm-hmm. is it just the process of writing it down or doing or checking things off your list? Like which one both. or is it both? Oh, both. Okay. because the, the check, the checklist is it's strategizing. It's my plan of action. Sometimes I'll create mood boards like this thing that I'm looking. I'm going to I'm going to grab it and show it. Yeah, yeah. Just show it. Show us. Show us what you're referring to. This so. is an example of me planning something what? out. Huh? I wasn't at your when I was there. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. This is, this is. Bring that closer to the screen. It's my bedroom. It's me planning out how to organize my closet, my drawers, because I was stressed about something. So I came in here, drew, I literally drew out a drawer. What is crazy? And all of the items in my closet. I'm like, okay, I planned out how to do it. And then I went in there and I up, I upheaved my flipping, my drawers in my closet and I reorganized. So for me, okay. it was creating the task list, creating a, a plan of action. I love a POA and then and starting. And yeah. succeeding at that task. And then so what, you, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. This thing that you're, this part that you're seeing, I didn't have this in my room. I went and I, I went on Amazon and I bought, uh, no, not Amazon, Facebook marketplace. And I bought it, made it already help me go pick it up. I put it in the room. Then I DIY'd it. I, I zhuzhed it up because it was just a regular Ikea Calyx thing. No, no. Creed had to add trim to it and wallpaper to it. I made mood boards, Chanel. I'm not even joking. <laughs> and then. I added, so there are things here that I don't have. And I'm like, this is what this is going to be for. And then this was the plan of, okay, I'm going to fill this out. I'm going to get this and then I'm going to use it. And so on, so on, so forth. And I'm still in the process of completing it. It's 98% done, but that's what I mean. So like Once you complete these tasks, do you feel like all the problems in the world are done or do you just prepare for the next one? I sit with it I, now. I definitely sit with it and think, okay, this is a win. I've done something here. I feel good. And then I've had to reconcile, and this has been one of the hardest things in therapy. I cried about it, like bald, is I have to stop rushing to make another list. Like Uh I told my therapist how I have a very stringent cleaning schedule. And on Sundays I do it. And she was like, I challenge you, Krita, don't clean your tub on Sunday. And I was like, girl, you're supposed to clean it. I'm like, she, no, she was like, clean it on Monday. And I'm like, that's going to throw off my whole Sunday, Liz. I'm like, that's going to mess me. You're messing with my list. She's like, I'm going to just, she's like, listen, I would ask you to throw away the whole list, but I'm asking you to just take one thing out. And I did. And when that, that session ended, I went to my shower and I looked at it and I cried because I was so, my, my list and my checklist and my checking off makes me feel a sense of accomplishment, which is Ooh, I'm a deep. I'm just going to say that, yeah. that, that, that deep because that means that you do not feel accomplished no i have to do something just like how busy work makes you feel valuable i have to complete something i have to check something to feel like i'm worthy of resting i used to clean sometimes here's a prime example of me having an issue with 
earning rest or feeling accomplished in my day. Sometimes at the top of the morning, I would write out a list of things I would do. And my reward was lunch. And I wouldn't stop even if I was shaking until I finished the last thing on that list to reward myself with food, nourishment, something that's just in my house. And I would make sure that that list was completed or mostly completed before I earned that. Because to me, I, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not accomplished. I'm not accomplished. I haven't accomplished my list. I'm not deserving of this, this reward of simple mm-hmm. food. And that was how deep seated my desire for these successful checklists made me, mm-hmm. I was so dependent on them. And that was that bad, 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 bad. Yeah. I think I'm still the same. I'm still working through that because I, I was having a conversation with uh, a friend the other day and I said something that I obviously, I say it, like, I don't even know why I said it, but I was just like, you know, I was just like, I feel like at this point in my life, this is, this is not where I should be. I should be here. Mm. And I should have accomplished this, 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 and that. Yep. And I've only accomplished this, this, and that. And even though to other people that seems like that is enough, to me, I feel like I'm not doing enough. And he was like, who told you that? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, question. Who told you? that you needed to accomplish these things at this point in your life. Like, where did that come from? And I was like, mm. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, but who told you that? Like, what? he's like, who told you that you have to accomplish this by 36? Who, who gave you that notion that there's a specific number behind your age as to when you should have these things? And I was like, oh, it could be society. It could be anything. I don't know. And he's just like, well, he's just like, you could accomplish that at 40 and still be accomplished. He's like, you could accomplish that at 45 and still be accomplished. When you get to that point in your life where you've accomplished something, that's when you were meant to accomplish it. And I was like, oh. And I think the funny thing about you and I specifically is is that we can identify that for others. But because we hold ourselves in a very specific regard, it is hard for... Yeah, it's very... very, I mean, outright, it's hard to accept that for myself i could be i could say the same thing the same thing you said that friend said to you you and i could be having this conversation and me knowing full well i don't feel accomplished because of a b c and d but if i heard you saying that i'd be saying the exact same thing to you because we can kind of identify yeah like we can give people grace so much easier than we can give grace to ourselves and i think that's our biggest like a lot of people's biggest challenges being like okay you're allowed to take your time i saw a video where a woman was 41 and she was saying in the video, she's like, don't let make, and she just had her first kid. And she was like, don't make people f- make you feel like you in your twenties should rush to have a kid. She's like, you're allowed to have your first child in your forties. You can be a lot more financially stable, mentally mature, emotionally prepared. You can get all your, your, your jollies out in your twenties and thirties, and then feel fully invested in your child's, you know, journey. She's like, no, nobody's journey is wrong, but don't let anybody tell you that having a child later in life is wrong. And I held on to that video. I still talk. I was talking about it yesterday to somebody because for me, I was feeling a sense of failure because, and you, I won't mention who, but there's people in our lives who literally said, you have to give this person a baby. They're such a good husband. You know, you're married. And it's just like, first of all, I don't have to do a good goddamn thing. Okay. But I often have a child either. So anyhow, (laughs) so I just, (laughs) Don't get, don't get petty. Don't get petty. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. You said it's easy to point out. I, okay. It, it's just as easy to give other people grace 
as it is to point out other people's flaws. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, So I think ultimately I'm just like, yeah, no, there's, it's hard for us to just be like, no, I don't have this accomplish it. I try to tell myself at the end of the year, like looking at my bingo list, I'm like, okay, I haven't accomplished a bunch. I'm not dead so i can take it into the next year and i can still accomplishment that's what i tell myself but throughout the year that's not necessarily how i feel it's only Mm -hmm. when i feel like well time has run out so let's just keep going but before that i'm like gotta try to read six books gotta try to do this gotta do that and then once i realize yeah that's i'm trying to take a different approach with aiden Mm. right Mm. because i have like I don't want him to have the same complex that I have. I mean, he's going to have a whole different set of complex because of society and things like that. But I, he asked me the other day if I was proud of him mm. for uh, making the black belt testing list. And he's like, Are, aren't you proud of me? And I was like, buddy, I'm proud of you for existing. Yeah. There's not like one thing that you need to do that's mm. going to like just you being here just you being here on this earth as you are without any like i just said you don't have to do anything to make me proud and he was like that is so beautiful yeah i almost no matter what i almost feel like and that's kind of what my therapist was trying to beat into my head she's like karina you are worthy of love no matter what you give, no matter what you offer, no matter what you provide, you are here, you are worthy of love. And it's literally something I'm having to reconcile with. And I almost, obviously, again, no fault to my mom. She did what she could with what she had. But I wonder mm-hmm. if you saying that to Aiden is going to make him feel a lot less pressure if he doesn't get the black belt, even though he will, or if he, you know, if he fumbles during the process and it's not the the, the picture perfect vision he had in his mind, because in his mind, mom's proud of me regardless. I almost wonder if that small statement hope, will make I that. I mean, he seemed shocked that I said it, but yeah. I, I hope that that just stays with him. And I try to do that even with school. I was like, I don't care if you come home with A's or B's. I just want you to try your best. And mm. I know when you're trying your best. And I know when you're not trying your best. Mm. And so that's the only thing that you need to be focused on is doing your best. That's it. You know, and there's some days where your best is going to not be what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like Based off of him and, and what he's willing to give to a situation or contribute. But yeah, I just, I take that approach with him because... I'm what, 36? I don't think I've ever heard my parents say they're proud of me. I asked the other day, like a year ago. And she's like, and she was astonished at the question. She was like, of course. And I'm like, okay, but you've never said it. She goes, yes, I have. And I said, you probably said it to yourself or you said it to your friends. I I have not heard. Your friends, because you want to get like that feeling of my child is successful. It's not the same thing as going to your child and say, look, I'm really proud of everything that you've done for yourself. And you don't even have to specify what those things are. But just saying that, like, I think they, they, they're not like, they don't know how much that makes a difference. I think it would almost be a better, it would almost have been better if it wasn't after I had just accomplished something big. If she just said one day, you know, I'm really proud of everything. And you know what? I know she's trying and she has since I've mentioned that she does, will she will just randomly say it. And I, I, I appreciate that. But I think when I was younger, especially in university and trying to, yeah, I did. And, yeah. and 
I think we have to give ourselves that. I'm proud yeah. of me. I'm proud of you. I think you're proud of yourself, but it's yeah. not easy to get to that place to just be like, you know what? I don't have the big house and the, but that's and some, that's not necessarily truly my version of success. Mm-hmm. It's just what the world tells me. I think I should strive for, but regardless yeah. right here, right now, I'm proud of Karina today. I'm proud of you too. And you're just, proud just, of, Oh yeah. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself. And also like, I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you said something because, what you just said right now, my sister, when we were on the phone, I told you we had like a four hour conversation Mm -hmm. and she said that I said something to her when we were kids. Like I said something when she was acting, my sister used to have like so many tantrums all the time. It didn't matter. But when I was younger, I legit thought she was crazy because it didn't make sense that like what we were experiencing in our childhood with our parents, how I showed my stress was different than how she expressed her frustration or her inability to communicate Hmm. those things. And I think one time I said to her that she belongs in the Douglas, which is like a mental institution. And she brought that up to me. And I was like, shocked you said it shocked that I said it. I was like, why did I say that? Mm. Like, where did that come from? And then I said to her, I was like, you know, I'm sorry that you still remember that. Obviously I really it stuck out to her. Like yeah. it stuck out to her. Like, but I didn't mean that. And I said, I don't know where that came from. It's probably my own frustrations. And I just said it. Mm. But I didn't realize the effect that those words had on her still. Like she's almost 40 and she's like, No, I remember you said that to me. Mm. And she's like, I've never forgotten that. And I said, Well, I'm sorry that I said that and I never meant that. And I said, your behavior at the time was very astonishing to me, but using those words was not the right way to express it. And I said, and you don't belong in the Douglas. You're not crazy. Your behavior totally makes sense for what we were dealing with at that time. Mm. I just didn't know that. I wasn't mature enough to know that. So I hope that in that moment that provided her some. I think it did. Some sort of. I felt. Well, I felt mm her energy just kind of shift. And I was like, I cannot believe that she held on to that. Yeah. For that... this long. Like it's bit like I'm pretty sure I said that to her when I was like eight or nine. <laughs> I was like said it when we were young. And I was like, we were both young. I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh thank you for saying that. She's like, cause that's she's like, that stays with me every time I feel myself getting reactive or oh, anytime wow. I feel myself I'm like feeling emotional that you said I belong in the Douglas. And she's like, that's been. I wonder if in the, in when you said that, if it, the reason why it stuck with her is because either a, she started to believe it or B, she felt like you said, kind of like gut punch that you would say that to her because you Mm. both were going through something that was traumatic in a lot of ways. And so I I hope that there was some serious healing in that moment for the both of you, because saying I'm sorry, even for something you've done years ago, eons ago, isn't easy, but saying it genuinely and having that person receive it, I'm hoping that there's some major healing for for, for her and for you in that moment, because that's not easy, man. It's not easy to bring that up. It's not easy Mm -hmm. to hear that something you did as a kid or as a teenager or whatever stuck with somebody because you realize, oh my God, I I really hurt someone. And then to kind of come together and have that conversation, I'm, I'm hoping that was healing, man. 
No, I hope it was too. Cause like, we don't, we don't, she and I don't have like those kind of conversations. Cause we were always like, not really in, in competition, mm. but I think there was probably a little bit of competition between us. Not like where we acknowledged it. It's an eight. When you're siblings, it's impossible not. Especially if one kid is better at A and the other kid is better at B. Parents mm. almost accidentally create that competition yeah, rivalry. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I just like, honestly, this week has just been very healing. It's been very healing because I'm trying to address things and not kind of like gloss over them mm. more. So, I mean, I'm glad we're having this conversation because you and I, we always have like long talks, but we mm. never do it all. Yeah. And I think we needed to have this talk with other people so that they can see like where we're coming from and, and see if they can identify any of these issues within themselves. Yeah. And I so think they take steps towards their healing journey. Yeah. And, and, and I think acknowledging that no, no healing person is ever healed. It's, yeah, a, it's constant yeah. work. It's constant. Yeah. And, 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 you know, fighting against your, your natural instinct to do like be petty or to do something that, you know, makes you feel like instant gratification or, or, acknowledgement of your anger or frustration and makes you feel like the victim. We are not victims of our circumstances every time. Sometimes we are the cause and that is a difficult thing to reconcile. Again, sometimes we're the what? Sometimes we're not the victims of our circumstances. We are the cause of it. And that is hella, hella difficult. (laughs) I try to drop them. You drop in gems right towards the end of this uh, podcast because yeah. holy crap, sometimes we are the cause. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. It just means you've got shit to, to heal. You have shit to address. And if you don't address it, you know, you can't do better. And I always tell Aiden, the best apology is change behavior. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think we're going to wrap it up right here because I think we've... Uh, had an excellent conversation and as our viewers know and our listeners know this is a topic i think that we are very passionate about and can come at from a number of different ways and we probably will if you like this episode please let us know let us know what kind of stuck out to you what you liked what you didn't like um like comment subscribe follow Mm -hmm. all of the good things yeah because i think this i think chanel and i want to record we kind of know that we like to talk about the deep stuff. Like we can be silly and laugh and all those things in the midst of it. But our deep conversations yeah. are where I think we really kind of learn things about ourselves, each other, the world. We learn through each other and we just kind of want to share that with the world. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and yeah. I guess we will see you in the next one. Yeah. So, Bye. See you in the, the next one. <laughs>